the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru. Logan Bradley is at a wedding this weekend, and that bum couldn't make it. So, Logan, we hope you had fun stepping into his place. We are thrilled to have back in the booth with all of us. Mike Page, welcome back, buddy. We're, we're excited. We're going to make this a regular thing. We talked about this and we're stoked. And so, Brendan, there will be more and more enthusiasm as it happens. Brendan's recaps of the game. Here we go. Brendan, give it back to us. All right, boys. Uh, You're going to need the NFL primetime music put up for this. So make sure you put that underneath because the Chicago Bears and Tennessee Titans matched up for the fourth preseason in a row, meaning you could throw out the record books when these exhibition rivals come to blows. After a scoreless first quarter that saw very little offense, the Titans took a 7-0 lead after Mekki Sargent ordered his way into the end zone. The Bears came back, though, after Matt Charles Barkley, that's terrible, man, floated a lob to Trey Robertson, who took it all the way to the bank to tie things up. Then Justin Fields of Dreams said, if I throw it, they will catch it, and found Jesper the Jester Horstead for a score to give the Bears the lead heading into halftime. Horstead wasn't done, though, as he caught another touchdown pass in the third quarter, gesturing his way into fans' hearts. Then, after trading blows again, Horstead catches a one-handed grab, and he could go up the way for a 54-yard touchdown, giving the Bears a 27-24 win in Nashville. Wow, that's impressive. That you just made a preseason game sound exciting. Which well it done, wasn't, my friend. Which it definitely wasn't. <laughs> right, not at all. I mean, have you ever heard like the old school commercials like Cordova Dragway will sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge? Like, that's the feel I got from that. It was pretty cool. Brendan, I'm I am more and more excited that you're gonna be giving us the game recaps every single week. I just I'm gonna look forward to this segment more and more and more and more. I wanted to do something different than just reading off the stats and I love NFL primetime. And so I'm like, you know what? Why not spice it up like that? <laughs> Gentlemen, we couldn't be here if it wasn't for our guy Jeff Cadwalder. Now, Jack, I know that you ended up going with brand new build, but I know that you had a couple of encounters with Jeff Cadwalder. What was he like? Imagine your more most honest, nicest, forthright friend. Now imagine that friend is your realtor. That, that's who he is. In any situation, he's a great communicator, super knowledgeable about the industry. And you know it's a service industry. That guy's there to serve. He's really good. It, it, I, I, I say it all the time. And so it's nice to have other people say the same things about Jeff Cadwalder with at properties. The guy is incredible. You know, obviously we, we are so thankful for him, but I'm just telling you folks, if you're thinking about buying or selling a home, you've, you've got to visit GenevaJeff.com or give my guy, Jeff, a call or a text 630-254-4734. Jack is right. Just have have a conversation with him and you're just going to love this guy right off the bat. He is the absolute best. Hey, Ryan, you're back from your paternity leave, right? I am indeed, Brendan. So, you know, that means you just need a fresh cut when you're going back to work. Of course, there's one place and one place only, Brendan. You know where that place is? Tell me. It's Sheridan's Barbershop located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. 
been serving the community for 67 years. They've got five barbers. They're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They got appointments. You can book online or you can give them a call. So Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or 630-668-0137. You can book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. If you talk to Jeff Cadwallader, if you head into Sheridan's, make sure you let them know that the guys of the Bear Down Report uh, sent you. They would appreciate it, and we sure would appreciate it too. All right, gentlemen, there's a lot for us to talk about what's going on with weeks in our own lives, but I don't know if you guys are aware there's a little bit of a controversy right now, um, a little bit of a, you know, uh, a situation between the fans, what they want, and what the head coach is telling them that's going to happen. And so I'm going to put this question, I'm going to try to be polite in the way in which I ask it. Um, is Matt Nagy an idiot, or is this, uh, is this a smokescreen? Um, is is, is Justin Fields actually going to be the starter? Because there is no way in any planet that Andy Dalton is a better quarterback. Jack, I'm coming to you with this question first. Is, is an idiot? Is is he a smokescreen? Or or am I just reading this situation totally wrong? It's a tough question because Manigi is a enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in bacon. He's a confusing guy to try to get a beat on. He's not an idiot. In fact, I'm going to go with He's calculated and intelligent really quickly. When the White Sox were really good in 2005, Ozzie Guillen was a buffer. He brought all the attention on himself as a means to take it away from the players. I think the situation is being handled perfectly. I think you take all the pressure that you humanly can off your new franchise to be quarterback. You do that by bringing in a veteran and you create a buffer in between that new quarterback and the media, especially. I think we know we've seen what the Chicago media can do, you know, to, you know, high profile athletes in this, in this city. So I think you're better off if he goes in two weeks late, Justin Fields, than two weeks early, you're better off slow playing it. It took eight weeks for the offensive line to gel last year, eight weeks. Who's to say it's going to gel any quicker this particular season, I can see I'm looking for us to the trees. I can see a distinct argument where it's clear as day. JF one is eons better than any of the other quarterbacks on the roster. And he should start. I can see the argument. I can, he was great last night. I think that they are playing it exactly as they should. And I will say that I've been saying that from the very beginning, I hope they slow play it and they slow played it. And I hope they continue with it. Jack, I love where your head's at. And that's a great point. One that I hadn't really thought about. I just don't know if I can buy it anymore. The throw, the rollout, the throw on the run to a spot in the end zone where only his guy could get it. I've been a Bears fan for almost the entire 39 years of my life. I've never seen a Bears quarterback do it quite like that. Mitch had a couple good throws. Uh, Jay Cutler had a couple great throws, but Justin Fields just looks so natural doing it, uh, where, where Mitch, you know, there were certain times where you just like, he never looked like super fluid and comfortable as a quarterback, Justin Fields. It, it looks like he's just, he just, it's effortless for him. And I, I, I get your point, but I don't know, man, Mike, what do, what are you kind of thinking about that situation? Well, I think that there's several reasons to 
keep JF1 on the bench from what we've seen. And I also think that it's possible that there's reasons to keep JF1 on the bench from what we've not seen. Jack touched on it already, the offensive line. You know, we have to see what these players can do. We also need to give them time to gel, right? They've been injured. Uh, most of them have been injured at some point throughout camp. So I think it's a good call to be like, all right, let's see what this offensive line is. We don't want to get our quarterback killed. The other thing that we've seen um, reading blitz indicators, right? We saw that at the bills game. Is this a concern? I'm not sure. Maybe it was a one-time incident. Maybe it's not Uh, another thing cut down his time to throw. I think that there was a stat that came out last week. He's spending 3.8 seconds uh, in the pocket before he either throws or, or runs it out. That's probably too much time. Uh, what we don't see, what's happening in the meetings, right? Um, what is his understanding of the offense, especially considering Matt Nagy said, hey, this offense takes three to four years to learn. I mean, this kid's a rookie, you know, where is he at in the actual understanding of the X's and O's? Another thing that we can kind of see is we, we can see that he's going through progressions, right? But is he going through the correct progressions according to the play call? I don't know that. I, I don't know what's, what's going on in there. And then lastly, the teammates' perspectives. I think Jesper Horstead came out with like a quote last night p- talking about the power uh, of – of Justin Fields, which is cool. It kind of gives an insight to what his teammates think of him, but we don't know exactly what uh, the general aura of, of uh, their thoughts are in that locker room. But what it really comes down to is what's the reason to start Justin Fields in week one. He is better than Andy Dalton. It just comes down to that. And personally, I want to win games. So I think Justin Fields should play week one. I don't think that his development will be stunted by playing week one. I think that uh, it can actually uh, grow with him as he plays. You guys make a lot of good points. And I really like what Jack said about being a buffer. He's not being an idiot. He's deflecting. And I mean, Michael, you're right. Justin Fields is the more, I'd say, like naturally talented quarterback at this point. But to answer your question, Matt Nagy's not an idiot. He's sticking with his plan. Though he's already changing it, essentially, because remember when Justin Fields was drafted, he essentially said that he didn't want him to start the entire year. He wanted to go off that experience with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes, where he sat for most of the season, learned under a good veteran, and then was able to really understand the NFL offense from a different point of view from the sideline. That's not going to happen. It's just not. Andy Dalton's still going to start the week one. We're not seeing, and we've talked about this before, but we're not seeing the full game plan yet. Veterans have talked up Andy Dalton. He's not a bad quarterback. I still say, like I said, Justin Fields is probably the more natural raw talent at this point, but Andy Dalton's got 10 years under his belt and he's still a decent quarterback to start to trot out week one. And the other thing I, I keep going back to is we as fans We are pounding the table. And I'm just saying the collective fan base, not like anybody in particular, but the fan base is pounding their hands on the table, begging for Justin Fields to start week one. You know who's not? Past quarterbacks, NFL quarterbacks who have played the game at a very high level. Guys like Kurt Warner, who believe that Andy Dalton is the best option at this point, and Justin Fields can learn a ton on the bench. Guys like Jay Cutler, who 
going back to an interview in May, uh, I, I remember this interview like crazy. It was, it was just such a good nugget coming from Cutler. He talked about how sitting helped him so much behind Jake Cutler, or I'm sorry, Jake Plummer. And seeing the game from the sidelines from a road game, I believe his rookie season, they opened against the St. Louis Rams. And he said that game was so much louder. It was so much faster than anything I'd ever seen. And granted, Jay Cutler played, he played in the SEC. He played at Vandy. Justin Fields played at Ohio State, a little class higher up, but still there's something to be said for that. And then I'll wait to tease this at the end, but another guest that I just recently interviewed uh, that we'll talk about later he said the same thing, who also played in the NFL for a very long time. So with all of these quarterbacks essentially saying, hey, it's okay for Justin to sit, it's probably best for him because you have somebody that's in place with Andy Dalton to take those lumps and to learn from. You're not needing to put him out there. So I, I trust their opinion. I'm not in the NFL, and I think that he's going to see the field sooner rather than later. It's just Matt Aggie sticking to his plan as much as he can, and I commend him for that. Brendan, you are a very smart dude, and obviously we are thrilled to have you as part of this crew, and I, I think your points are incredibly well made, but I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, I understand the fact, Andy Dalton, here, here's, here's my thoughts on Andy Dalton. You listen to what they say at, at practice. He has had a couple beautiful throws and a couple just abhorrent, just awful, terrible throws um, that people just kind of are head scratching that have gotten picked uh, some pick sixes in practice. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like a backup quarterback. We know who this guy is. This guy is a good, solid backup quarterback. Justin Fields, Yes, he is going to have some some rookie growing pains that are going to be some head scratching moments. Jack, you talked about it in in that first post post game pod that we talked about, where you know he tried to make too much happen. He ended up fumbling the ball. It was a bad situation. But gentlemen, he does things that Andy Dalton couldn't dream of. And I understand your your guys's points about the offensive line. I, I keep hearing this over and over again, and I'm getting a little flustered by it because. You think if we have offensive line problems that putting an immobile quarterback like Andy Dalton out there, like some kind of sacrificial lamb is the right decision. I, I don't understand that. I want the guy that has some wheels, some, a guy that has shown that when he moves outside of the pocket, a la that unreal touchdown pass that he threw last night, right? That's, that's what you do when you have a bad offensive line, you have a guy that can move around and, and do that. And so I, I totally understand what you guys are saying. You are, you're much smarter people than I am. And especially Brendan, your point about, about NFL quarterbacks that have played the game. I didn't play the game in the NFL, right? I, I, I haven't, I'm not that guy, but I've watched enough NFL games where I, I think I have some semblance of what's going on. I don't think I'm a complete moron. Um, I'm not the smartest person on the planet, but I'm, I think I, I can keep a, a conversation about football. And I just think that it's so blatantly obvious that sure, he may struggle first, but if you want to win more games, you put Justin Fields in as your quarterback. Yeah. I think that Matt Nagy is really kind of hedging his bets here. He's, he's thinking to himself, listen, I'm going to risk losing some games early with Andy Dalton so that Justin can be ready when his time comes so that we can win a lot of games later. It's almost kind of like that research study that came out 
several years ago where they offered a kid a cookie. They're like, hey, listen, you can have this one cookie now or you can wait three hours and have two cookies later. And Matt Nagy is like, listen, I want those two cookies, which totally makes sense. I get it. But I want that one cookie now and I want the two cookies later. And I think that that's possible. I don't think that Justin Fields development is going to be stunted by throwing him in there week one. We can win now and we can win games later, too. Did you say there's cookies? I didn't. Where are the cookies? You can't have your cookies and eat them, too. Mike, sorry. I think factually speaking, there's no doubting that Fields is the most accurate of the three. I think that he played his best game last night, including spending more time in the pocket and throwing from within the pocket, which I thought was a a really excellent sign. It's fascinating, right? Because then the question perhaps becomes not about who the better quarterback is, but rather who it is that you should start. And so I understand your frustration, Ryan, especially about the offensive line, but I disagree. I I do think like we spoke about last week, think about Mahomes running for his life in the Super Bowl last, uh, you know, uh, last season. I don't, I do not, I'd rather have Andy Dalton in that situation than our brand new, you know, shiny quarterback who could potentially, potentially get hurt and also, um, take steps backward until in terms of his development. If you're if your offensive line is weak and you're quick to flush from the pocket, how do you ever develop as a pocket passer? I think it would. I do think it would um, inhibit his ability to become better at at being a pocket passer, which I personally would like him to do first and then run second. Yeah, and I, I would say, Jack, you're you're completely right. Yesterday's game you saw so much growth from Justin Fields. I feel like the accuracy was on point. He moved out when he needed to, he ran when he needed to, it was, they, they didn't get a ton of offensive plays, but it was extremely, I'd say, especially in like after the first drive, it was very efficient from Fields. So, I mean, you're definitely seeing the growth there. The other thing I kind of come back to with Dalton and I'm not like an Andy Dalton apologist by any means. I just, I feel like I need to see it in the regular season. The preseason is a fantastic evaluation tool, but knowing how Matt Nagy handles the preseason, knowing just how little he wants to show there, I just am sort of of the, of the belief that I need to see it when it counts to like make a fully formed opinion of it because I don't, we have not seen the best of Andy Dalton so far easily. And all the points are valid. And I definitely agree. Like Justin Fields, the more raw talented quarterback at this point, I just want to see Andy Dalton operate the offense with how it needs to be operated. Maybe I assume he's going to finish the game. We'll see if he doesn't, but use that game, use that footage when it counts and then make a fully formed opinion to be like, okay, this isn't working. You know, like now I'm like, I'm fully on board or, you know what, this is working. We, maybe we overreacted a little bit. It's just that. And that's for me. I just, I can't go through like preseason to like live and die by every single play. Uh, Cause it just, that's not how it works. Unfortunately. I totally agree, Brendan, hundred percent. It, you know, it's preseason. And I think all of us have been pretty consistent about saying, Hey, 
let's try not to overreact. Let's try not to underreact. It is preseason. It's preseason. It's preseason. But let me just say this. Matt Nagy's offense has been atrocious. It's been awful. It's been very, very bad since he's gotten here. He is the offensive guru that has been a bad offense. Now, I know a lot of people will say, hey, that was Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky couldn't get it done. Well, bring in Nick Foles. Guess what? Same situation, same thing happening. And and uh, you may say what you want. Maybe Nick Foles isn't it. Maybe Andy Dalton somehow is magically better than Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. I don't think that he is. And I don't trust Matt Nagy. I like him. I like the guy. He's so forthright in all of his answers. He, 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 he has never, ever in a press conference hidden away from a tough question. He, he, like he's even stuck around after the press guy has said, no, no, we're done. Matt Nagy's like, no, I'm going to answer that. I like him. I want him to be good. I don't trust him. And, and so to say that, that somehow magically Andy Dalton is going to run this, this Rolls Royce of, of an offense is just, I don't understand where, where this confidence is coming from guys. I think Justin Fields is going to save Matt Nagy's career. And if he really wants to stay in Chicago, he's got to play Justin Fields because Andy Dalton is just more of the same of what we've seen. It's time to change it up and do something different, which Matt Nagy does not like to do. He likes his system. He likes his way of doing things. And if it doesn't work, then, well, then there's something wrong with the, the, the piece in the, in the system as opposed to the system itself. I, I am endlessly frustrated by this guy. It's interesting because at the beginning of the first half, I was just thinking about, you know, our head coach a bit. And I thought, you know what, this is like a, a doggy dog world, right? Like it's time for this dude to put up or shut up. I think I, I, I had this moment where I was like, I'm done giving this guy the benefit of the doubt. I don't have real hard opinions when it comes to these things, because I don't think we see much about how the sausage is made. And I've been a coach too. So I think it's super easy to criticize them without knowing exactly what it is that they're doing. So, so I had this kind of like harder, like epiphany. Then they showed him uh, in practice, mic'd up at halftime. Um, they, they were playing, you know, video of him when he was mic'd up at a previous practice. And I was so impressed the way that he interacted with his players and then the actual coaching that he was doing, the very specific, tangible, uh, you know, tips, tricks, and suggestions that he was making. He seemed like a complete coach in those moments. And then I was like, oh, well, crap, here I am again, being uncertain about this guy. It's man. He's, I said, enigma (laughs) wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in bacon. I think it just really goes back to the fact that we like Matt Nagy as a coach. We like him as a motivator. We just don't like him as a play caller. Give it back to Bill Lazor and stop being stubborn about it. And I, I'm, and I sometimes, you, Ryan, you and I going back and forth about this so many times with Matt Nagy. I'm more of a Matt Nagy apologist. I admit that. But I also understand that he just is, he doesn't get a good flow of calling plays and I don't really understand why he saw what happened last year. Like, Hey, thanks, Bill. Thanks for saving my job. Thanks for getting us to the playoffs. I'll take it back from here. Like that doesn't make sense to me. And Jack, you're, you're completely right. Seeing him in practice, even like being there. And I've been to training camps with Lovey and Trespin in the past. Matt Nagy's completely different. He is coaching guys up all the time. He is in their face in a good way while other guys are just kind of stand back and just not really get involved. So I think we'd all feel better if just Bill Lazor took over the play calling and just kind of go from there with either Dalton or Fields. It would be an improvement, but we're probably going to have to wait until week 10 to get there. I think Bill has a bit 
more of an unbiased view of the playbook. I think Matt falls in love with the the playbook, the X's and O's. And that really reminds me of when Nick Foles last year made a quote that was like, hey, listen, I'm getting these play calls in and I don't have time to make these play calls, right? They are, the, the coaches making, making the play calls don't understand that I can't execute these things because I don't have the time. I don't have the time to go through uh, these, these numerous progressions because of the offensive line. And, and that touches on what Jack was talking about earlier with the offensive line and, and, and playing JF1. It's like, well, at what point will the offensive line be good enough for JF1 to play? What is that, uh, that line? Where is that line? Does it exist? And at what point does, uh, you know, do we actually go to JF1 after that? I'm not sure that the line exists. A lot of people were saying that we shouldn't play JF1 week one against the Rams because of Aaron Donald. It's the same, it's the same concept where you can't shy away from players. You can't shy away from starting someone because of their supporting cast. There is no line there. You just, you have to play your best players and and that's what you should do. Let's talk about the offensive line. I think that we could talk about this for 50 minutes and never quite come to a consensus. And obviously we're not picking it. We're, we're not a coaching staff. We're just guys talking about it on a podcast. And so I think there's a lot of other parts of this team that I am genuinely looking forward to, to talking about and discussing with you guys. And so let's hop into that offensive line. Uh, Peter's got some playing time. Fetty got some playing time. Uh, Larry Borum. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I liked what I saw. I, I wasn't in love with what I saw, but I liked what I saw. Fetty, I think, came out pretty darn uh, rusty and got just beat badly uh, right at the start. But I think he bounced back a little bit. How are you guys kind of feeling about this offensive line? Brennan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Which your general thoughts? Are, are they going to bring somebody from the outside in or are they going to stick with what they've got? God, I hope so. I don't think they will. I mean, we'll see what happens with cuts, but this is probably going to be your starting offensive line come week one. And I'm not, I don't know. So I was watching yesterday. First off, Jason Peters is just big. I mean, I don't know if he's like still out of shape, but I'm just looking at him. I was like, you are just like a massive human being, man. And in my opinion, he looked okay. He looked like he was able to, you know, get, get off his blocks pretty good. He wasn't getting gassed as much as I thought he was. Afedi definitely had some rough moments. I remember uh, the edge rusher came off of the sack and it looked like he was trying to push him out just a little bit. He thought he got him, wasn't far enough, and he just missed. But I think right now, assuming that this core line stays the same, you're hoping that Jason Peters can give you a couple games, let's say three to four, while Larry Borum continues to develop and he can take over because the upside's there. I agree with you. I really like seeing him play. He's got to work on some technique issues, but seeing seeing him against the Bills last week and then the Titans this week, I'm very impressed. And I thought the interior was fine. Uh, You finally got all the guys back together for once, and I think that was sorely needed. And it's funny, so I I tweeted this out. I was at a kid's birthday party. It was a two-year-old's birthday party. Um, tons of shenanigans, crazy stuff happening there. So I wasn't able to watch the game uh, live. I DVR'd it, but I was following on Twitter and it's so funny, like just seeing a game or seeing Twitter that happens while a game's happening, but you can't watch it. And it seemed like everybody was just 
so nervous. So like the sky's falling and everything. I went back and watched it. I was like, okay, there were some problem moments, but the offensive line seemed to settle down a little bit. I, I thought it was, I was pretty, pretty satisfied with what I saw. So um, yeah, it's, they seem okay. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little rough going against the Rams, but I don't think it's going to be the catastrophe that everybody thinks it is. I was surprised at how fast Jason Peters can move. His feet are incredibly quick off the snap. He can really book it. Uh, so I was really pleased uh, to see Jason moving pretty well. And Brennan hit the nail on the head. That dude is massive. I saw some quote from a dude at The Athletic that was like, I would trust you with my life. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. That guy is huge. Jermaine, obviously, in the first play uh, uh, from scrimmage for the offense, gave up that huge sack which sucks because I, I went to bat for Jermaine Effetti this offseason. I was like, listen, this guy flashed in the last six or seven games of the regular season. And I, like I said, I went to bat for him this offseason saying, hey, he's going to be an above average right tackle. So Brennan was right, though. He, he, he kind of settled down. He looked better after that. And I still think that he's going to be – uh, he's going to play better than than expected. And the interior, I have tons of confidence in. Uh, probably the most concern I have for that interior line is, is Mustafer. He did gain a bunch of weight. It looks like he, he went through a bunch of strength training, which is what I called for at the end of last season. And... You know, I really do think Cody Whitehair and James Daniels are, are, are going to be studs this year at, at the guard position. You know, I think that the Bears have tended to keep eight or nine offensive linemen. My guess is they'll keep nine this year. Right now, my list is at Peters, Whitehair, Mustafer, Daniels, Affetti, Borum, Bars, Simmons, and Jenkins. Probably put Jenkins on IR. Maybe they'll release Wilkinson and then sign him back. I believe I was checking a little bit of um, Brad Biggs this morning, and he was saying that there's a gentleman, like he's not subject to waivers. So there probably would be a, a gentleman's agreement and, and try to bring him back. He's an experienced player. You can play at a couple of different spots. Mostly I'm on board with the, uh, um, the feedback from Brendan and Mike on Peters. Here's how I will put the way in which he impressed me. He's going against uh, second or third string, um, you know, defensive ends. And he made it look like he was going against second and third string defensive ends. He showed this veterans poise. Like these guys, this is cute. This is cute. You, you, you try and trying to rush the quarterback on me. Cause you're not gonna. He's, you know, as Brendan said, he's a beast of a man, a mountain of a man. And his footwork was, as Mike said, excellent. He, did, he looked like a savvy veteran who could still play the game. I, I was pretty excited about that because I thought that's a major pickup if he works out, if he, if he can stay healthy. I, I, I felt very strongly about the upside of him at that position. He played really well. Jack, I love the way that you basically answered one of the questions that I have coming up. Like, what does your offensive line look like? Because mine looks very, very similar to, to what you have. 
so Jason Peters, I go back and forth on this and in the initial signing you guys will hear, I was very excited about it. Then last week I wasn't as excited about it after hearing a lot of Eagles fans though. I don't, you know, now I, I just don't know whether to trust those fans or not. Um, I do think it's an improvement over Charles Leno. I know there's some people that are like, we should have never let Charles Leno go again, folks, Go, go watch the Washington football team in the preseason and watch uh, Leno not looking so hot for them right now. Um, I do want to get to this because I think that the two are related. Um, our, our guy, Scott Swartz, uh, asked the most difficult question we've been asked on this pod. Um, so, Scott, shout out to you uh, and curses to you at the same time. You made us do a whole heck of a lot of work here. Who are players who are currently on other teams' rosters that the Bears could pick up if they cut corners and a line specifically? Uh, uh, definitely got some stuff there. And uh, are there any Bears cuts who will surprise us? What are your predictions for that? Uh, guys, I'm going to start off uh, because I get to because I'm the host. And so sometimes I want to. Plus, I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say. The one that I was thinking about, and I know he's already been cut by KC, uh, Mitchell Schwartz. Now, he would have to make a public apology to Matt Nagy. He was very critical of the Justin Fields situation. So I think that would be something. But I think the fact that he's already in that offense, I think makes him very valuable to Matt Nagy. I, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Matt Nagy used to coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he may. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, he did? I, I think he's yeah. referenced it. Wow. Newsflash to me. Wow. Every 30 seconds for every press conference he's ever held. Um, and so, you know, knowing that he is familiar with that offense, I think would be a big part of it. And uh, as for surprise cuts, I think we've said it before. Uh, this is my tin hat theory. If, if he's with this team next week, I wouldn't be surprised. But if he's cut, I also wouldn't be surprised. And Brendan, I'm, I'm anxious to hear your thoughts. Is Danny Trevathan, I think... Alec Ogletree sitting uh, for the entire game tells me a whole heck of a lot. Danny played very well, played very, very, very well. Um, maybe could possibly be a, a trade or a cut uh, just to get some more cap space. They need a cornerback. And in order to do that, I think they need some cap space. So Brennan, let's go, man. Let's keep this rivalry rolling. What do you think? If Danny Trevathan gets cut, I, I I'm going to have to make some exorbitant bet with you or something like that, because it's not happening. And I think the big reason he was out there last week or yesterday, I'm sorry, was because he really hasn't played. He's been injured. He's been on the sidelines for quite a bit. So he has to get his legs underneath him. Alec Ogletree's been part of the, he's been playing a lot since uh, the Dolphins game and the Bills game. So he most likely has made the roster, which is just a fantastic story for him. I, I think it's great depth. Danny's not getting cut. Danny looked great out there. He looked fast. He was alert, obviously at the interception, but even just the tackling and he was in the right place where he needed to be. I mean, I, look, I'll say there's like a maybe 10% chance that Alec Ogletree starts over Trevathan. I think that might happen, but even then I still think it's Danny and Roquan to start week one. And I, I'm going to have to think of something because between now and Tuesday, because that's just not happening, man. For sure, Brennan. Again, like I said, if he's on this team and he's starting, I wouldn't be shocked. But I also, you know, the, the Bears have made some decisions. Now, Brennan, what about a player that's on another team that you could see the Bears sign, trade for, or, or somehow bring in here? So I'll give you four. I've got two tackles and two corners because I think that's the two areas that we're most concerned about as Bears fans. And I'll start with tackle. 
Trey Pipkins from the Chargers has been rumored to be on the chopping block for them. He's a 2019 third round pick. He played in 13 games, both the last two seasons in 2019 and 2020. He's supposed to be their swing tackle this year. There's some reports coming out there that he may be on the chopping block. If he were to get cut, he's young. He might be an upgrade over somebody like Elijah Wilkinson and could come in as a reserve. So there could be some possibility there. The other one I'm looking at is Cameron Fleming from the Broncos. So he's a vested veteran. He's been on two Super Bowl teams with the actual, well, he's been on two Super Bowl champion teams with the Patriots. Um, he's played for the Patriots and the Cowboys. He's a durable veteran tackle. He started all 16 games for the Giants last year. He hasn't looked great, though, in Broncos camp right now. So he could be somebody that you could probably plug in and play. And he's he's only came in in 2014, so he's not super old. He's got some years under him, so he could be somebody that might be a good pickup. Moving over to corner, I'm sticking with the same two teams, honestly, and I'll tell you why. Quarterback John Brannon from the Chargers. He's been an interception machine in camp and preseason. He's been lighting it up and he could be on the outside looking in for like a deeper secondary there. And then I would say either Kerry Vincent Jr. or Nate Harrison from the Broncos because they're deep at the position and the GM floated out that they're looking or they're receiving trade calls, which means, hey, we've got a lot of guys that we need to move. So please come get them. And a few of them are probably going to get cut. And Kerry Vincent Jr. and Nate Harrison are both slot corners. So they would fit that need because the Bears don't have a good slot corner on the roster right now. And the reason I picked the Chargers and the Broncos is because of the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley coaching. They're familiar with the Bears. Might be something you want to go back into that tree. The Broncos and the, the Bears kind of have a history of uh, getting players from each from one another. So there could be some possibilities there. So those are four guys that I'm keeping my eye on. Mike Page, what about you? A player that's not on this team that could be and perhaps a surprise cut from the Chicago Bears. Well, I was calling for Rick Wagner, a former Green Bay Packer, to be signed by the Bears before they picked up Jason Peters. There's been, uh, you know, maybe some knee concerns with Rick, but he is uh, starting caliber uh, left side, either tackle or guard. I think he can fill in nicely. But honestly, I don't think that Pace is going to sign or bring anybody in for the offensive line. I think he's done. I think that this is this is the line that we're going to be working with. He might cut a couple guys uh, like like Jack was talking about, but we're essentially done there. I, I don't think anything's going to happen. I do think, and I would not be surprised if Pace brought in a cornerback just because no one has run away with that slot corner position. Duke Shelley is another guy that I've gone to bat for numerous times after breaking down some film on him last year and, and, and liking what I saw. But I was really, really hoping that he would flash a little bit more. You know, him playing in the fourth quarter of the final preseason game doesn't look good in my opinion. It means that the coaching staff is still trying to get eyes on him to see how he reacts, especially uh, to third string wide receivers and quarterbacks. So I, I'm kind of concerned about, about that slot corner position and even that, you know, cornerback two position. I don't think that Artie Burns or Kendall Vildor has run away with it. Both have struggled at times. So I wouldn't be surprised if we did bring in somebody and 
and, and for it to be a splash. You know, if if we were going to trade for a guy like Stephen Gilmore, whose name's been thrown around out there, I doubt that he gets traded. But, you know, it's been rumored that it's possible two years uh, um, two years off from his defensive player of the year award. I think that would be pretty cool if we, if we made a splash there, made some kind of trade in terms of a player that probably gets cut. That might be surprising. I think a lot of people are, are expecting Jesper Horstead to make this team now based on his performance yesterday. I think that he's not going to make the team. I think that he's going to head to the practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Pace gets some calls on, on you know, maybe trading for, for Jesper. But I think that with Jesse James and, and Jimmy Graham kind of locked up in, in those two positions and Jesper not being an awesome special teams player, not being a core special teams guy, it's like, well, his role – you know, wouldn't be very well defined. And uh, I just don't think that he's going to, to make the squad. We'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit about tight end later. Uh, Jack, before I come to you, Mike, to your point, I do think they've got enough cap space, enough money to sign one big name, wherever that might be. Maybe it's a trade. Maybe it's some guy that gets cut. I think they've got just enough for maybe an offensive lineman. You're probably right. They're probably not going to, but, but you could probably get a cornerback, uh, someone to kick the tires on Jack. What do you think? A surprise cut as well as maybe somebody that's out there that we haven't yet talked about. If they cut Rodney Adams, that would be a, an awful big surprise. And I know it would put a dagger right in the hearts of, uh, this crew. I would stab sure. someone. I would stab someone. I know, but I, you know, it, it's concerning. I mean, I think best case scenario, he's a practice squad guy and worst case scenario, he gets cut. I mean, Ridley's gone. There's no room for him on the roster without a doubt. Um, And so I I suppose, and I'm not saying that Adams is going to get cut, but I think that that would be a surprise cut. And I think that would hurt uh, for sure, especially given what we know about him so far. I think, you know, Brendan brought up, uh, you know, Trey Pipkins and and he is an interesting possibility as an offensive lineman, uh, as I was looking at him more and more, I think he played most of the fourth quarter in the last preseasons game for the chargers. They wanted to take a really close look at him and he didn't show out very well. So uh, it's likely he will get cut. And I'm not sure if he, he, if he could fill a role or if we already have some, you know, offensive linemen already on the roster that will cover that. The other guy is, uh, you know, offensive guard, uh, Malcolm Pridgen, who is a Ohio state uh, pedigree. And I mean, Again, it would be a long shot because I believe he was he was signed in early August and then just cut yesterday uh, by the Steelers. So, but these, you know, it, it's interesting and it's so hard to project because we know about the minutia of some of the, you know, players that are on the bubble for the Bears, right? And that's why the question is so good. But to know about all of the bubble players around the league without being every day, you know, invested in their training camp. Uh, makes things, you know, you know, pretty tough. And uh, I agree with Mike. Uh, you know, I do think probably Jesper at best will be a, a, a practice player, um, but I don't think he's going to get. So here's what I want to say real quick. I think it's easy to get overexcited about players who play in these second and third preseason games. But all you need to know about those games is when during the game last night, they flipped to the sideline and you saw those three Tennessee Titans on the sidelines, right? You saw Brown, Henry, and you saw Julio Jones. Now think about the difference between those three players 
and any of the players at those positions that were playing in the third and fourth quarter. We're talking about a massive gap. So they might show out in the third and fourth quarter. And it, it breaks my heart because some of these guys are going to be cut and on the streets and not pick up anywhere. But I think probably every single coach and player on the field sees that difference. And I think we should be reminded of that difference because I think it is a massive gap in between those types of performances and the types of performances that the three of those individuals would put out. Jack, I'm so happy you said that. Like that just put a light bulb going off in my head. We get so bogged down with these back of the roster players. And I get it. You want to see them succeed. They're on your team. And obviously those are the ones that we're actually seeing on our screen, not somebody like Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney at this point. But it is really funny because we are like living and dying. Like this guy should make the team. This guy should make the team. This guy should make the team. When real, really like none of them, maybe a couple are going to actually like make a significant impact in the regular season. All the rest of the guys are on the sideline. They're ready to go. They're, they're relaxing. They're sitting. So it's just, it is funny to me how we get so up in arms sometimes over the, over the preseason games. Again, you want the guys to succeed. Guys like Rodney Adams, you want him to make an NFL roster. Jesper Horstead, same thing. Like these guys scratch and claw their way every time. So I'm just so happy you said that because I think sometimes we lose sight of just the different players we're watching. And I just kind of wanted to bring it back to what Ryan said about the cap space. Right now, according to Over the Cap, the Bears have about $5 million, about $5.5 million. So there is something that could happen there, especially if there is a surprise cut where somebody who's making a lot of money might get cut and you save a little bit there. And then, so maybe like a high price free agent who's out there right now, somebody like Russell Okun, somebody like, dare I say, Richard Sherman, you know, could be a possibility outside of the guys who could be cut already. So there, there is some flexibility, like you said. All right, gentlemen, instead of going through an in-depth look at the roster, what we think the roster is going to be. Let's just get some quick thoughts on it. Uh, Chances are, by the time people are listening to this podcast, those decisions have already been made. And so we're just going to be a little bit on the quick side with this. I want to start with quarterback. I think they're going to bring three, but I would like to see them have just the two of Dalton and Fields finding some way to to get rid of Nick Foles' contract, whether that be through a trade or through a cut. Thoughts on that one, guys? Based on last night's play, Nick Foles belongs on a roster, just hopefully not ours. He's, he's a professional quarterback. I mean, I think, and he is legit. His accuracy is in question, but he's got some pedigree. I hope they lose the salary and he goes somewhere else. I think I heard once that he was maybe an MVP of a Super Bowl or something. I, I can't remember. Oh. Moving on to running back, guys, the way that I see this kind of shaping out, David Montgomery, so excited to see him back. You've got Damian Williams, you've got Khalil Herbert. And so the question is, with Tariq Cohen sitting on the pup list to start off the season, do you keep Artavius Pierce? What do you do in in that position? Where, Where do you go with running back? I love Artavius Pierce. I think he has a lot more upside than Ryan Nall. We've seen enough from Ryan Nall. Give it to the younger back and let him have a chance while Tariq Cohen rehabs. I think the only thing is, is that Nall is such a core special teams player because I asked the same question. I'm like, this guy's hung on too long. What's he doing for us? And I think ultimately, Brendan, he's going to stay because of special teams. Khalil Herbert, I do think he's done enough to at least secure the kick off return duties to start off the season. 
I don't think he has the crazy explosion that maybe we were used to with Cordero Patterson, but I think every time that guy gets the ball, he gets a yard or two more than I think he's going to get. And I, and I like seeing him in that position. Moving on to wide receiver, no one is going to be shocked by the start of this conversation. You guys all know I'm the king of the Rodney Adams fan club. I do think he makes this roster as the fifth or sixth wide receiver. Uh, I do think he needs to work on his special teams. He also needs to work on those drops, but he's shown enough big play potential that this is a guy that I would like to see the Bears uh, hold on to and develop. Daz Newsom, I think, showed enough quick flashes to say, hey, he's a rookie. I'd like to see what else he can do. I think that ultimately that you'll see Bird flourish in the slot. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the slot once the regular season starts. I agree with you on Daz. That play, that catch, that quick hitter that he caught and like just made that guy whiff, uh, the defender whiff was an awesome play. Going back real quick, I'm hoping to see Daz in the return game more than Herbert. Personally, I'd like to see some flash from that guy and I don't see it from Herbert. I like Herbert, but not necessarily as a returner. I was a little surprised that Bird got the nod at punt returner instead of Newsom to start the game because I thought that's where Daz actually was going to be able to show out a little bit more. I'm still sort of on the fence that he makes the roster. I know I've been somebody who believes that he could be a practice squad candidate. I'm leaning towards him making the roster. I'm really interested. I, I still I think Rodney Adams makes the roster as well. But something tells me Riley Ridley's not going away yet for some reason. I'm just, I don't know why. I need to see it before I believe it. I'm ready for Riley Ridley to be off the team. I'm, I'm all for Rodney Adams taking his spot, which is sad, right? Because I believe he was a fourth round pick and he just hasn't done really anything, which is sad. I, you know, we all like to see our draft picks flourish over time and, and I think I think it, it just didn't work out with with Riley. You know, a little nugget from training camp too about Riley when me and Jack were there. When I was watching them practice and, and the offense was running drills, everyone was standing and watching and being active participants, even though they weren't like in the play. Riley Ridley, the only player on the entire team to be kneeling down. And it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, you know, why are you kneeling? And it, and it was consistent throughout the practice. You know, I'm, it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way is all. And, and you know, I think I'm just ready ready to move on. And, and good luck to him in the future. Guys, we, we forgot to talk about, what about Javon Wims? Oh, wait, never mind. No, he's gone. We're good. I, I try not to be petty. I'm trying to be positive in the interactions that I have on Twitter with people that say things and take personal shots at me about players. Go off. I just, to that dude that just kept telling me that I'm stupid, that I'm wrong, that I have no idea that I'm talking about and that Javon Wims is going to make the team. And he tagged him uh, in, in a, in a tweet to say, look, I'm supporting you and all these other people hate you. Just trying to get your, your, your 15 minutes of fame dude for, for a guy like I just come on, man, the guy, we all knew that that guy was going to get cut. We knew that it was going to happen, man. I, again, I didn't play this, this, this sport at, at the college level, like Jack did. I didn't play it at the professional level. 
but to say that I have no idea what I'm talking about is, is becoming really frustrating. Brendan, you've been helping me with this uh, since I've, I've been very fortunate to, to have a new slew of, of Twitter followers, and I appreciate all of them. But, but I've just noticed more and more the people that are just looking to, to, to be trolls. And to that dude, that's it. That's, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve the rest of my thoughts. Pound sand? One. You want to say pound sand? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to, Javon Wims is no longer on this team like I told you that he wouldn't be. Sorry another like really puzzling move by this by this coaching staff and, and front office wasn't it i mean i predicted javon wins to make the team because he should have been cut a long time ago i don't i don't understand why it took so long to cut him and, and because of the time it took i was like well obviously they like him for some reason so he's going to make the team and and I was I was kind of surprised when I when I heard that they were going to cut him. What a, what a strange kind of series of events for for that player. Last thing, I promise, I will, I'm not celebrating that Javon Wims is no longer on this team. I have nothing against him personally. I want to see Rodney Adams' story continue. That's what I'm cheering for. That's what I'm going for. Sorry, gentlemen, I'm getting a little heated about that. Try not to. Try to be positive. If, if it's worth it at all to you, this same uh, individual made the your you are error then recently spelled quoting c-o-t-i-n-g oh no so maybe don't pay him as much mind hey you know what twitter gives everyone an equal voice let's move on gentlemen let's talk about the tight end position so i have it cole Komet, jesse james jimmy graham and then either jp holtz or jesper horstead I'm tending to lean a little bit more towards Horstead because of the night that he had, because the fact that the bears have invested a lot of time and effort into developing this guy. I don't know if you guys know this, but his first year in the league was the first full year of football. He had, he was also a baseball player played wide receiver has been bulking up and, and adjusting to the position. I know that he doesn't play special teams and JP Holtz is a blocker. So I could see it going either way here. Well, count Ryan out of the scooter Harrington fan club. Then I see, but I would, I'm really hoping Jesper makes the team because I'd say now with Jesse James as that kind of you slash Y tight end, somebody who can block, who can also go out for passes. You may not need JP Holtz as much. And I agree. You know, I'm glad you said that Ryan, because I was looking at Jesper Horstead. I didn't know if it was just the number change to 87, but I was like, he looks so much bigger than two years ago when we saw him. And I give him a ton of credit for bulking up, but I think that's somebody who can learn the position, who can learn special teams. And I just think he provides so much more upside than JP Holtz. So I'm really hoping he makes it. Yeah, ultimately, it's going to be who Chris Tabor is going to pound his fist on the table for, right? If if he knows J.P. Holtz and he he believes that he's a core special teamer and he's going to pound his fist on the table and say, I want J.P. Holtz, that's probably who he's going to get. I mean, he is a big-time coach on this on this staff, and it's, it's really going to come down to what he thinks of, of J.P. versus Jesper. We have the all-country thunder tight end room, Jesper Scooter, and Jesse James, and I'm here for it. 
the one uh, question that a couple of people have, have asked me about is Jimmy Graham. Uh, do you see him being in the cut? And to Mike Page's point earlier, the reason they kept Javon Wim so long, I don't think they're giving up those nine touchdowns that Jimmy Graham had last season, including his touchdown in the playoffs. Uh, I could be wrong on that one. Uh, if they, they like what they saw out of Jesper Horstead, maybe they want to keep him and JP Holtz and let Jimmy Graham walk, uh, do a little bit with that money. I, I would be a little surprised by that, but uh, but we'll, we'll see. Offensive line, I think we've kind of talked about it a bit. Uh, gentlemen, any other thoughts that you guys want to throw in there about the offensive line that we haven't already said? Um, I would just love science to advance far enough where we can combine Arlington Hambright and Lachavius Pig Simmons into one guy, one superhuman offensive lineman, Arling Pig Hammonds. Can we make that happen? That's all I have. <laughs> Brendan? This is my weekly reminder of how lucky we are to have you on the show. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you. I try. Defensive line. This has to be one of, if not the deepest position on the Chicago Bears. And gentlemen, I, I'm going to make a, a bold statement here. I think it's a top five defensive line in the NFL, maybe even top three. It is stellar. What do we think about this, this line? I think you are probably going to be right in that regard. I think there's some great depth as we were chatting about a bit before the show, a little bit of concern with Bilal Nichols and his toe. I think if he gets past that, he could have a breakout year. Also, as we've mentioned previously in other podcasts, Mario Edwards on that two game suspension is a little frustrating. Uh, I think he does a great job of putting pressure on the passer. And I think in terms of adding depth, that is another key factor. So I'll look forward to getting him back uh, in week three. Yeah, it's very deep. And I mean, it could be tough to start out the season if Milan Nichols' toe doesn't get any better and with Mario Edwards being on that two-game suspension. So that could open the door for Daniel Archibong to actually have some playing time to make the roster at first if when Mario Edwards goes on that list. But yeah, it's, it's so deep. You got Akeem Hicks, Angelo Blackson, Kyrus Tonga, and Eddie Goldman. Though Kyrus Tonga is going to get some play too. So even with guys like Nichols potentially missing and Edwards who will miss, you've got enough depth to, to kind of keep the ship steady while those guys get healthy and, and back to action. I am so excited to watch this defensive line. Now that leads me right into linebacker. I think Travis Gibson had himself a particularly good night last night. I think that defensive line kind of opened up a spot for him. Now, I don't think he's going to necessarily unseat Robert Quinn's contract uh, just right away. Um, but in terms of outside linebackers, uh, I kind of like where they're at. Uh, I don't know if James Waters finds a way to make himself back on this team or a guy like uh, Caleb Johnson. We'll see. It's, it seems pretty doubtful. What do you guys think about that one? I think I'm finally on the uh, Travis Gibson bandwagon with you, uh, Ryan, and it's not for his physique, but rather for his play. And quite honestly, I, I'd put him ahead of, uh, of Quinn right now. And if it weren't for that contract, I'm not sure if he wouldn't start uh, because I was impressed uh, everything from his, his, his stance, from the way in which he stayed true to his position, keeping outside leverage. He uh, rushed the quarterback in one instance and I believe uh, caused the interception. Yes, uh, pick six, I believe. That was awesome. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm excited about uh, the potential of Travis Gibson. 
The inside linebacker spot is one that I have been watching very, very closely. And through the start of that game to the end of that game, guys, I said that, man, you have to have an incredible game. Joel E.A. Booneyway, I thought you had to have a great game. Josh Woods, I thought had to have a great game. Um, Christian Jones, and guess what? All three of them had very good games. A couple of them were shooting the gaps uh, in the first quarter. Maybe it was the second quarter. Joel E.A. Booneyway was everywhere that guy was all over the place and then the second half I, I, christian jones just shooting the gap and making a couple uh, tackles for a loss um i think this is going to be one of the more interesting ones i know uh roquan smith danny trevathan probably but then after that alec ogletree those three seem to probably be a slam dunk though like i said earlier i wouldn't be shocked if Danny trevathan gets cut what are you guys thinking about this one yeah, I'm still not convinced that Danny Trevathan's going to get cut, but I think there's a chance that they keep five. I know usually four is the key number for inside linebackers. You're looking at Roquan Smith, Alec Ogletree, Trevathan. I would say maybe Joel Iwabinibwe because he did show out finally and he's been a core special teamer. And it's really hard for teams to to cut those like higher draft picks. I think Ryan pace would probably want to see those draft picks come to fruition for a little bit. So I don't know. I I think five could make it with Iggy there. And I think Christian Jones has done enough as well. He's obviously had a great NFL career, but yeah, this, this one's tough and you got to feel good about where they are now than where they were even a year ago. It has improved drastically. Yeah. I don't think Josh Woods makes the team. Honestly, um, he was really, really bad at the end of last year. And that's what started this whole inside linebacker depth issue. Right. And Pace addressed it. We got Ogletree. We got Christian Jones. It's because Josh Woods was so bad. And is Josh Woods a core special teamer over Iggy? No. And is Iggy a draft pick? Yeah, I, I just don't think Josh is going to make the squad. But you're right. I think we're going to roll with five. I was with you, Ryan, when it was Danny Trevathan comes out for passing downs, but I am jumping off the ship with great vigor when you talk about him being cut. More thoughts. I've been just trying to hold some thoughts on that because I couldn't disagree with you more about Danny T, but I'll come back to that later. And I'm on the Christian Jones fan club. That dog can hunt. He was around the ball all the time last night, Uh, and I believe he led the team in tackles last night. I want to say this yet again, not dissing on Danny Trevathan. I'm just saying his contract, the situation that he's in, I'm, I, and I'm not backpedaling too. I, I think right now Alec Ogletree is playing better than Danny Trevathan is. I just, I believe that. And so, uh, you know, Brendan brought it up. We're not going to argue about it anymore. He is a great leader in the locker room. He's all of those things. I wish Danny nothing but the best, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do it for cap reasons. That's all I'm saying. Uh, just one last time, Mike Page, did, did we just talk about depth? The just depth at the, the, the linebacker position? Because I just think you and I got into a little bit, uh, just a little bit of a tiff last season when we talked about the word depth. He said, Brian, you're obsessed with depth. You're damn right. I'm obsessed with depth. All right, let's move on to defensive backs. Instead of talking just about cornerbacks and about safeties, let's talk about DBs. The one guy that I'm hoping that they find a spot for really when I start to think about this is Marquis Christian. I think he has shown a knack for where the ball is. Uh, I was really kind of disappointed with Thomas Graham Jr. uh, playing on the outside. I don't think he looked very good last night, giving up that touchdown. He looked out of sorts. Uh, I know... 
Duke Shelley had some really good plays and had some really, really bad plays. Uh, Kindleville door, same thing. So yeah, this is one where I'm thinking they could definitely use a little bit of help. What about you guys? I'm with you on Graham. I was really concerned about his poor play. He as confident as like, like, you know, Peters looked playing tackle. I thought, truly looking like a rookie was Graham jr. And, or take fields as a rookie, like compared like like their particular demeanor on the field. And so that, you know, Graham jr. Has got a long way to come. I don't know why, but I'm on the Artie Burns like fan. I hope that he makes it. I read a lot about his story. He was drafted highly. He was well touted out of Florida uh, in terms of picks. He's just, he's struggled mightily both on the field and off. I don't know what it is, but it seems to me like there's talent there. And if we could somehow figure out a way to tap into it, he might be good. Quick question. Why was Duke Shelley playing so much last night? Uh, it seems to me like he's a, he's a lock. Yes. Why, why, he was on the field, I think, the entire game last night. Well, one quick thought to that. If I'm not mistaken, he lined up at safety towards the in the fourth quarter. Um, it was on the goal line. He was definitely in a in a high safety spot as opposed to uh, outside corner. Gentlemen, you'll have to look back and see if I'm crazy, but I remember thinking, why is he in that spot? I don't. I don't know. I just want to know, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not joking. Is Desmond Chirfan okay? So we haven't seen him. He's obviously dealt with the passing of his father. I, I'd assume he still makes the team. I mean, he was signed as a veteran. He's a capable veteran, but we just haven't seen him. And I'm, I don't know. I'm concerned about it. Maybe there's a shot. He, he gets cut or he doesn't, he opts out. He doesn't want to play or something. I don't know. I, I'm not going to speculate. I just hope he's okay. I hope he's doing all right. Yeah. With Duke Shelley, I really thought I wasn't as high on Duke Shelley as others were, but I figured the moves they made showed confidence in him with letting Buster screen go, who's still a free agent if you want him, but letting him go and essentially giving Duke that chance to win the job. He hasn't really done that yet. And then Thomas Graham Jr. He's probably going to be a practice squad guy at this point. I'm with you though on Artie, Artie Burns. He's so athletic. He, he has had some issues and he obviously missed last season, but he could be a surprise starter if Kendall Vildor doesn't get it. So And then one final one as a surprise, we talked about him a little bit, but Marquis Christian has been so versatile on this defense. He's going to get a spot. And if they don't find somebody else to kind of take that nickel corner spot, it could be him. He, he looked pretty good in spurts. So that, that could be your starting corner, which kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. That versatility is really interesting. I mean, he's listed as a safety and uh, he didn't really flash there for me. So I, I don't know. That's another really interesting point about like these preseason games. We're all looking at, at different parts of the field. We're all looking at different players and sometimes players that you don't, that you're not really watching kind of just flash, whether that's for a good reason or, or a bad reason, the flashes from Marquis Christian for me were bad. I, I, I'm kind of surprised to hear that you're all saying that like, he's going to make the team and he's great. Uh, I I'm a little bit surprised by that. I I was going to go the complete opposite direction. Special teams. I don't see any change in your core three, which is Patrick scales, your long snapper, Cairo Santos, your place kicker. And I got to hand it to Pat O'Donnell, that last punt gentlemen. I know there were a lot of people that had turned the game off by that point, but I watched uh, putting it all the way down inside the, the five yard line. I think this dude's a pretty solid punter. And I think we've avoided saying that for a while. Uh, but, uh, but I think that, that those are your three, any shocks there. 
Hey, Dingle, there's no, there's a reason they call that guy Mega Punt because the ball just flies off his feet and he goes so deep. He's a great punter. He is, he is pretty spectacular, my friend. I will not fight you on that at all. It was nice to see the special teams show up a bit. <laughs> that was, I mean, wow, because that was like really getting to be, uh, you know, a problem. But I, I don't think there is any um, surprises. I've been saying, though, it is nice not to have to think about punter year in and year out. When he was when O'Donnell was drafted, I know that there was a lot of like, wait, what kind of like feelings about it? But uh, year in, year out, I mean, he's not elite. He's not the best of the punters in the league, but but we're not looking for punters. That makes me happy. You know, it is funny when people talk about like Phil Emery and everything. I'll sort of defend that because they're like, oh, you spent a six round pick on a punter. Yeah, that punter's been here for now like six, seven seasons. So it clearly worked out. How many six round picks are still on your team? So um, good. to Yeah, it's, it's good to see him kind of be in that like upper echelon, I'd say maybe top 10 punters at least. But I would love if they were somehow able to get a trade partner for Brian Johnson. I thought overall he's been very solid. You're not going to give up the the position that Kyra Santos has because of the extension, but just really wish some desperate team like the Vikings would trade like a late mid round pick or something for him, but don't think that's going to happen. All right, gentlemen, it's time to pretty much get out of here. We've got two things left. We got to give game balls and then shout outs um, game balls. I'm going to go Brendan, Mike and Jack game balls. My game ball goes to the coaching staff. This team looked so much better yesterday than they did against the Bills. People were tackling. I thought overall the offensive game plan was a bit better. Things look great. So shout out to the coaching staff for getting the team ready to play. I'm going to go Jason Peters just for making me feel better about that position for kind of showing me that he still has a little bit left in the tank and just making me, you know, not want to jump off a bridge about the the left tackle position. Ryan, you gifted yourself two game balls last week, so I'm gifting myself two this week. So uh, I'm giving one to Danny Trevathan. I think he's been hurt and needed to play, and so he got reps so he could get his legs under him. I think he was boxing in the offseason and trimmed down, and I love to see a guy who's a veteran like that care and be passionate still about his craft. And it was clear to me that that dude's not done yet, and he's going to play. You might be right about about the cap space, and if that's the case, then so be it. But I think it would be a major loss. We've got two really good linebackers. Can't wait to see him play. And then, boy, Jimmy Miller is such a good analyst and color guy. I've been listening to him a lot on Sirius Radio. He's just a nice dude. He's super knowledgeable. And I thought he did a great job last night with the color commentary. 2001, that was a magical season for him. He was fun to watch. Uh, I'm also going to give out two game balls, Jesper Horstead. I'm not even going to say why. We all know why. The one that I really want to give to is Sean Desai. There have been a lot of problems with this defense, but gentlemen, turnovers. Think about each one of these games. There have been turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. I hope that trend continues in the regular season. I think that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Shout outs that we've got to give. We're going to go right back around just the same way that we went with our game ball. So Brendan, Mike, and Jack. All right, my shout out for the week, and it's teasing an upcoming episode, is Eric Kramer. So I recently sat down with the former Bears quarterback. We talked a lot And this guy, if you're not familiar with the story, you're going to get familiar with it. He was just incredible, great football insights, just heartbreaking story, but with a happy ending at the end. And you're going to hear the interview on Bear Down Report in the next coming days and weeks. So I'm really excited for that. And I just want to give a shout out to him for his time and for his willingness to talk about his story. 
Wow, that was an excellent, excellent uh, shout out. Excellent work, Brendan, on that. I'm going to go cousin Heidi at Heidika. She does awesome, awesome work on on Twitter, just being like a, a really supportive and, and great person on there. And every time, you know, we interact on Twitter, I'm always, you know, kind of smiling. So uh, Heidi, I think you still owe me your autograph. I really look forward to receiving that. I'm going to give a shout out to a dear friend of mine, Mitchell Kelly, who I'll take money from uh, in fantasy football this year. But he mentioned in our uh, thread on fantasy football that he had listened to our episode last week. And that is much appreciated. Uh, That's one. And then two to my son, Connor, who named his fantasy football team BDR Superfan, which I thought was pretty cool. Connor, you are the man. Let's freaking go. So I have a couple that I have to give out. Uh, Scott Swartz, yet again, for your phenomenal question and for just being a big supporter. We've seen that you retweet every single episode. Scott, we appreciate you so very, very, very much. Uh, truly, truly, uh, thank you so much. Port Adelaide Football Club, my Australian footy team, won their first round of the finals. They Playoffs, they call them finals. And so they are headed to uh, basically uh, to what we would consider the NFC or AFC championship. I'm stoked to watch them play and our good friend dave from the uk dave from england uh who's been on the show multiple multiple times he just celebrated a birthday so happy birthday to you dave uh we appreciate you uh so very much folks thank you so much for supporting bear down report uh the podcast or anything that we've got going on in beardownreport.com if you like what you hear please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review. It really helps to widen our audience. For Brennan Chigrew, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Mike Page, I'm Ryan Dangle. Thank you so much, folks. And as always, bear down.